0: Welcome to the Jackets Online podcast, I'm Kelly Quinlan, I'm joined by Russell Johnson. We are the brain trust of uh, Jackets Online, and we will kind of get into the uh, Louisville game here in a minute, and some recruiting stuff towards the end, as Georgia Tech coming off a of bye week, so we didn't do a show last week, just because we're lazy and busy, and uh, uh, You know, it's kind of funny um, with all these weird bye weeks and the different stuff that's going on with like games getting canceled and stuff. So far, you know, I'll knock on my real wood desk here that Georgia Tech's been kind of unscathed in terms of having to to postpone any games. But um, what have you made so far of watching college football? It's been, to me, uh, the weirdest season that I can remember ever in terms of just the – level of play game to game being wildly inconsistent.
1: Yeah, I don't think uh, – I think, you know, outside of maybe the top three or four teams in the country, uh, there really hasn't been any consistency or, or, or even level of consistency from week to week. Um, you know, Central Florida played the game of their, their season and possibly as well offensively as they've played in the past couple of years. I guess Georgia Tech just a couple weeks ago and to see the, the clunker they put up against Tulsa was, I can't, I can't even remember. I, I lost track of how many false start penalties they had. And I just watched a little bit over maybe a quarter. And, and just seeing the, the lack of discipline and the things that are coming up, um, it just seems like teams all over the country are struggling with the things that are, are fundamentally sound teams can do. Like, you know, they're struggling with penalties, pre-snap and post-snap. They're struggling with special teams. Special teams are across the board, almost all over the country, is a, a travesty. Other than, you know, even the top kickers, Skiba for, for Wake Forest. You know, I've, I've spent some time watching them this season. And he's, he was one of the best kickers in the country, if not the best, last season. And he's mediocre at best right now. Uh, you know, he's missing kicks. He's missing extra points. It's just these kind of things it's it's crazy. It's been crazy to watch. Um, and and seeing how many kids are watching these games closer than they would normally. Uh, just not from like a, a win loss standpoint, but just from a, a a what does this team really look like standpoint, especially when they're playing on a Saturday Saturday night or, you know, even earlier in the season when you know got got teams were playing on you know, Sunday and Monday.
0: Yeah, it's been kind of um, just odd. Like teams have either played well or have looked terrible. And, like, there's really not been a lot in between. Um, You're getting, like, a totally different team week to week. You know, um, you mentioned Wake Forest. We both watched that game last week. You look at, you know, down the road in Athens, Georgia looked terrible against Arkansas and then dominated Auburn. You know, Mississippi State looks great one week, and then they get slaughtered, but they don't get slaughtered. They lose badly to a not great Arkansas team. Uh, Georgia Tech obviously struggled with Syracuse in their last game, who was not a very good team, and a team they probably outmatched everywhere on the field almost. And just turnovers killing you, and that's been sort of the trend, and you mentioned that your thing, and something Jeff Collins talked about on on Monday in his press conference, and Dave Pat noticed – protecting the ball and you got to be in the plus and the takeaways and they've really struggled with that at Georgia Tech it's been an issue and it's been amplified when you have a freshman quarterback you struggle in the red zone as they have this year to score points it's funny we all thought they struggled last year in the red zone and they were in the I think the 80s and they're not like in the 50 percent like conversion rate right now at the bottom of the league and you know it, it's it's just weird and to me, like, I have no idea what I'm going to see on Friday night. Like, I don't know if, uh, you know, it's the weather's might be marginal because of the hurricane that's coming in. Um, the tech team is every week as, uh, Andrew Thacker, the defensive coordinator said in his press conference, it's like, you hold your breath when you get the text from coach, uh, Collins on Saturday morning, knowing who's even going to be able to play uh, in the game. Like, it's just, totally random who's available who's not available they've had guys um get hurt they've had bad luck with injuries at at key positions and then they've had the contact tracing covid piece of it too which has been a real extenuating circumstance for georgia tech um so i don't know what to expect louisville's played pretty well satterfield's a great coach they they tend not to um, make a ton of mistakes themselves. They, they had some in their lost Pittsburgh uh, that were kind of self-inflicted, but you know, to me, this is two, uh, two teams that are very run heavy, two teams that are like to, to be aggressive uh, defensively. So it'll be interesting to see kind of what happens. Um, not really the type of defense like Syracuse where they bring pressure and weird places as much as uh You know They like to to control the game, and and Georgia Tech's not really in a position right now where they're controlling games really well. So it's going to be an interesting game. It's Friday night. Um, Those games are always fun at Georgia Tech. Georgia Tech has had a knack for winning some of these night games uh, in the past, even when the team's not been very good. And I think this team's decent. I think they're just not – haven't put together yet. I mean, something I've been talking a lot about is you look at, like, their defensive line – um, they played the last game with Antonius Clayton, who was basically had been back a couple of days practicing and had missed like a month. He ends up playing almost the whole game. Cause Sylvain got hurt. Um, in like the second or third series of the game and he had been playing at a really high level. Antoine Owens hasn't played a snap this year. Who's maybe your second or third best defensive tackle or end defensive end guy can play both. Um, P.K. Chenezda hasn't played a snap. He was your best defensive tackle last year. So, you know, just in that front group, they're, they've already been hit hard with injuries, right? Like, And then Curtis Ryan, we haven't seen him since the first game when he was the like national defensive player of the week or whatever that weird award was that he won. He hasn't been seen for uh, his own reasons, and hopefully maybe he'll be back this week. But, you know, it's just frustrating, man. Like, I I can't even imagine trying to coach right now. Like it's frustrating to cover like as a journalist because we get asked like who's not playing and no one's volunteering this information and half the time they don't know, like for sure with the COVID stuff until, um, you know, close to game time unless it's and they don't want it out. So like if you're in a situation where say two of your tight ends are out, um, that's not something you really want to advertise on a Tuesday before a game. Uh, you know, especially when you have a walk-on and a, a true freshman is your only other option at the tight end. So it's been a weird season. Um, I think there's still a lot of guys that are banged up and it'll be interesting. I'm curious if a Marion Brown plays Saturday. I I'm not sure what his status is and people ask me and this is a weird year where um, it's hard to get that kind of info. And it's also, I'm reluctant to put it out in some cases because, it's not really fair to the kids if they're just in contact tracing or whatever. Cause people will assume it's COVID or they did something wrong when a lot of times it's just dumb luck. Like your roommate happens to be in the class with the wrong person or in a study group or something, or did something dumb. And then that sets you off because there's been guys who haven't been able to suit up this season due to contract tracing, who were supposed to play on special teams, like not maybe name guys, but guys on scholarship and we haven't even seen them yet this year. So it's a weird season for Georgia Tech. Um, the way I take it and the way I've been telling everybody is just try to enjoy the games. The fact they're playing is amazing to all of us. Russell and I talked about this at nauseum over the summer, like just trying to figure out what the hell we would do if there was no season, like and and the, the truly frightening aspects of not having football for, you know, a year or so. or 18 months. It could have been really without football, theoretically. Um, So, you know, I, this is a nice um, situation that you have uh, uh, this, this season. It is what it is to me. Like you're, it's like winning a bunch of money in a casino. Like you, you have house money now so you can gamble it and and enjoy yourself and set aside what you put in originally and just kind of relax and, um, not get too worked up about stuff because everybody looks sloppy I mean even Alabama plays like crap for half against Texas A&M or Clemson kind of let Virginia get some cheap touchdowns on them like teams just don't look like uh, they did maybe a year ago at this time even at the top end of the game so I think it's just hard to gauge and it's going to be a week-to-week thing and it's it's hard I mean there are guys I can tell who are maybe not as mentally locked in as they should be and you've seen that kind of on the defensive side of things Andrew Thacker talked about that a little bit it's something that I noticed a lot watching um, the last really all three games this season for Georgia Tech's defense is just some discipline issues in terms of where you put your eyes and what you're doing your job and making sure you look over to the side and get the calls and those things all add up man and um, it is uh it's frustrating cuz you know really you know tech could be 2 and 1 or 3 and 0 oh right now theoretically if they catch some breaks you know going into the fourth quarter of of the last two games and instead they're 1 and 2 and if you told people at the beginning of the year, they would be one and two with the schedule they had, people would be like, oh, cool, they beat Syracuse, you know. <laughs> um, and so they beat Florida State, who apparently really sucks. And, uh, you know, there's, there's no teams other than Clemson and Notre Dame left on the schedule where you're like, this is an impossible matchup, like, for them, where they're going to be overmatched. Like, and it would take a lot of luck. Everybody sucks in the league, basically, after the first – three or four teams i think you have clemson notre dame and then north carolina and miami and then it drops like the just even the athleticism drops off a lot after that and you know virginia tech who should be probably up in that group has had so many guys out with covid that it's like impossible to really even gauge how good they are yet they've only played one game this season because of it um you know then there's just this huge glut of other teams nc state Pitt, who apparently already have uh, laid their pit egg of the year. Um, Wake Forest, Duke, BC, Georgia Tech, uh, Virginia. They're all sort of the same kind of – they're okay, you know, could win a game. Could not win a game. Um, and that's sort of what's going on in your schedule. And These next two games are tough for Georgia Tech because you've got Louisville, um, who run the ball really well. They have a lot of dynamic playmakers, and they have guys who are who are matchup issues, like Tutu Atwell and uh, the Hawkins kid, the running back. And Malik Cunningham can run the ball well, and you know that's that's a matchup. There's some matchup issues with the defense there, and then you get Clemson next week, who have, you know, uh, for Falcons fans, a the guy they hope get their next quarterback uh, to replace Matt Ryan and Trevor Lawrence, and um, a great defense and and a lot of skill guys. So. To me, when I look at this, I'm like, you know, let's see how um, these games kind of play out. And the thing that would be concerning to me is if, you know, they go into that third game uh, in this next stretch at Boston College and lay another egg on the road against a team that's not very good. BC's like super average or below average. Like they're just not a great team. They're okay and they're sort of flawed like Syracuse that's a game where you should have an opportunity to to make up some ground and those are the games that I'm paying the the games where I want to see Georgia Tech make the biggest leap and as I look at the rest of the season are Duke NC State Boston College like those games that are winnable and um they're winnable, and where I think Georgia Tech may actually have an edge personnel wise as well, might be the more talented team. Um, you know, this Louisville game, we'll see, man. Like, I think they're they got lucky in a way too. What happened there is with the Petrino coached them well below what they were, right? When he like they underachieved when he got fired badly, um, and then. Satterfield cleaned up the roster and had a lot of turnover where he was able to to swap out his roster basically uh pretty quickly. And and then he was you know a good coach and got them turned around quickly. Now, what does that look like in five years? That's the big question, probably for Scott Satterfield, like building and maintaining. Um they Louisville was never lacking in talent. Um, you know. I think they were just lacking in coaching. Even, even with Lamar Jackson there, I think they were lacking in coaching, to be perfectly honest. If you watch those games when Lamar Jackson was there, it was like a Lamar Jackson – it was like watching the Jackson 5, right? Everybody focused on Michael Jackson. And then you got Tito and Jermaine Jackson and all these other dudes that no one cares about. They can't really help him out. I mean, I swear if you – I bet if I went back and looked at it, Louisville probably led the nation in drops when Lamar Jackson was there. It was unbelievable how many drop passes his receivers would have and key moments and clutch games for them. And he just didn't have a lot around him, right? So, to me, like, I think their roster's okay. Um, I think Satterfield's a good coach. And I think this is a, a really interesting measuring stick for Georgia Tech because I think Louisville's not as good as Central Florida uh, offensively but probably a better defensive team. So what does that look like, right? Like, how does that translate? Um, You know, Central Florida just lost to Tulsa. Tulsa kind of smashed them, punched them in the mouth pretty good, like Georgia Tech was trying to do and and kept turning the ball over. So I I don't know. This seems maybe a lot of rambling, but um, I don't – I'm not expecting a blowout. I think it's going to be an interesting game. Would I be shocked if Georgia Tech won? No. Would I be shocked if Louisville won it by two scores? No. Um, and I think that's sort of the magic of this weird season.
1: Yeah, I would agree with that. Um, I think that like you said, it's a, it's a big measuring stick game and, and Georgia Tech's got to be got to be, I wouldn't say focused, but you know, they they got to be there. They got to be in the moment. They got to be in the game because it seemed like in the the Syracuse game, you know, the first, first quarter, especially they didn't seem to be there. They didn't seem to be fully there. They didn't seem to be fully focused. I mean, they were turning the ball over the defense was playing lackadaisically, And I mean, we, you and I couldn't have been more wrong about what we expected (laughs) on our last podcast. I thought we kind of, Took the, to, took the week off and took our, took our losses because, I mean, neither one of us expected that. And, and I don't think that Georgia Tech can afford to have another performance like that this season, um, especially, you know, every week could potentially, with everything going on, be the last week. And, and that's just absolutely crazy to think about but when you see what happened in the NFL just this over this over the weekend you know you had the the whole chiefs patriots situation and then sunday morning like i think it was like 1 or 2 maybe 1 a.m. you had a situation where in another game they thought that somebody else had it it, it was a false positive test i believe it was in the detroit and new orleans game and then on top of that you had the tennessee and pittsburgh game canceled already and, and just seeing logistically how it took, how long it took for them to, to figure it all out and to get the schedules to, to match up to where, you know, they had two Monday night games tonight as we record this. Uh, it's, it's just crazy to see how quickly things can change. Uh, you know, all across the country, you know, things are, are hinging on test results. Like you were talking about with Sacker, with talking today in his presser about, waiting for those text messages and the anxiety like that's nothing that anybody could have ever imagined going through and i think that that plays such a big role in things but you still gotta come focused no matter who who you're lining up against when the when the ball gets put down i sound like <laughs> i sound like calm a bit put but the ball down when the when the ball is down you know you gotta be ready to play no matter who it is no matter you know who's healthy who's not healthy and as much as it's talked about in that building it didn't seem to really be the case early on in New York last or two weeks ago
0: yeah I think that um I think that it's been um just not they're a young team right there's um a little bit of a void of some pieces of leadership, especially on the offensive side of the ball, right? Who are the offensive leaders on the off- offensive side of the ball? Jordan Mason, who's a redshirt junior, is kind of a quiet guy. Um, and then, you know, Ryan Johnson, the transfer guard, or Jack DeFore, or um, – I don't know, because Jalen Camp's not a super vocal guy. Like, I think there's a little bit of a vacuum of that piece of it, too, right? Because the quarterback's often your leader on your team. Well, the quarterbacks are all kids. You have, you know, every, literally all of them are underclassmen, including James Graham, who's not playing right now. Like, they're all freshmen. Or the three main guys who were suiting up and traveling and all that are all freshmen, uh, with Yates being a redshirt freshman. So that's problematic, right? You don't have a there's no Tyler Davis there's no Nate Cottrell there's no um guy like that that can kind of be that comic voice and usually it comes from the Q, Q position and clearly Sims is you know not ready for that he's going to try to do his best but he's what 18 years old um so right. that's tough and, and on defense you know um the strength of the defense is supposed to be the secondary and the safety positions, and they haven't played that well. Um, Wanye's played okay and the rest of them have been really hot and cold. Charlie Thomas has done a great job rushing the passer and has pass coverage not so much. So like you gotta figure out all of these different things to me. Like I think to me this is a uh, a key time for for Georgia Tech to to kind of pick themselves up and they need some guys to step up and they need them to be on the sideline and be like this is not okay we don't play like this like let's let's step it up let's get our crap together and and this and us like let's go hit rattle some cages and they had the opportunity in the Syracuse game they get it to one score and they let them go right down the field um, and that kind of put the game away and it sucks all the oxygen out of the room the same thing happened against UCF they get it to one score game they give up a touchdown immediately and it sucks all the air out of the room and the defense has to bow their necks a little bit there and the defense has done a good job and the quick changes on the turnovers actually they haven't given up a ton of points off of turnovers it's been more um just explosive random explosive plays that has killed them and I guess that's sort of the one thing that Andrew Thacker and Jeff Collins kind of said was encouraging in some ways was that it was explosives that was getting them. It wasn't um, the, you know, they weren't getting gashed on a 18 play drive down the field. It was a three play drive with a, you know, 40 yard touchdown or whatever where the safety got turned around or twisted or whatever. And the one thing that was encouraging was, um, you know, it's something I wrote about on jackets online was, I wanted to see – I want to see some personnel changes to put guys in better positions to make plays, right? Charlie Thomas's strength is not covering a speedy slot receiver. Like, I don't want to see him matched up on Marlon Williams from UCF or Hassan Hall or Tutu Atwell or whatever. Like, I, I'm not interested in seeing that. Like, I think that's no. a bad matchup for no. him. Um, Absolutely. Yeah, so, like – Put him in a spot where he's playing downhill. You can play him in a zone, have him on a tight end, do something that makes a little more sense for him. Whereas you have Wesley Walker who can cover those kind of guys, can run with them. And it was a corner in high school and is a guy who can run really well and is a good coverage guy, one of their better – probably one of the three best coverage guys on the team right now. Like, let him cover guys. Let Wanye cover guys. Um, Avery Showell's a guy who has played well and needs to play more. You know, uh, I'd like to see a little more of Derek Allen and and Jalen King too. Like you have these guys, don't play them 10 snaps a game. You're not doing yourself a favor there. You're asking Wanye or Reek or whoever or Caleb to play too much, right? Get these guys in, spread them out, use your ATL philosophy, even if you have to start a series with a different group out there. And I think it'll shake up some of the guys who are maybe not quite playing up to their standard too to be – to, to do it they've done that at times last year they benched um both wanye and and reek at times for christian campbell last year like just to shake it up and those guys responded well to it and came back and, and played well at a high level so and you, plus the other weird thing about all this and and russell and i've talked about this a lot we don't know what's going on in people's personal lives either like that's a whole other piece of this and a whole other dynamic that we haven't even really gotten into is, you know, people have things going on at home or in their lives or girlfriends they are not seeing cause they're trying to bubble themselves or all sorts of stuff and the stress of school and, and everything's just a lot more difficult, right? Russell and I both have babies right now. It is a lot harder. Both of us have been parents before we could tell you, this is much harder to be a parent right now than it was Uh, you know the last go-rounds for both of us because of all of the stuff that goes on like I can't just call up um, the girl down the street from my house and have her come watch the baby when I go out to dinner like you know I had a friend that gave me a really nice gift uh, certificate for a nice restaurant in Atlanta steakhouse when and when Bo my uh, youngest was born uh, in February and like I have no idea when I'm going to get to go like it's I, you know, it's like one of those things that I would like dream about going to do like this cool night with my wife, and and we can't do it, like just can't, like and I'm not willing to take those kind of chances anyways. But still, like that's just on our little in our weird bubble, right? Like how how much things have changed. I can't imagine at 18 to 22 years old what this is like. I remember how dumb and stupid I was at 18 and in that whole range. Um really up until i was probably about 26 27 28 even um so i I like i i can't even imagine what some of these kids are going through in their personal lives and i think that's something else that that maybe people are missing too don't you think
1: yeah i'd agree with that i think that's uh i think that's another reason why it's so dangerous right now with you know everything you were just talking about to read so much into you know, social media posts.
0: Oh God, yeah, like what someone says, yeah, you know, on Twitter or whatever, or Instagram. Or...
1: Yeah, what they post on Twitter, you know, cryptically, or what what their shut what song lyrics they're tweeting out, or what, <laughs> what what songs they play in the background of their Instagram videos. And there's just so many different things and like components and conspiracy theories even going on it's every time a kid tweets, every time a kid does something and it's become almost like a like a a secret club between fans of different programs like they're just you know talking and talking and talking oh I wonder if this means so-and-so is about to decommit and then commit to to so-and-so and it just becomes and it just unravels and unravels and rolls and rolls and it just gets such becomes such a big deal when in reality no one actually knows what is going on at least from a a fan standpoint i mean maybe the media understands a little bit further because they can talk to the if it's a recruit they can talk to them if it's a player you know they might get a chance to talk to them after the games or you know something like that
0: well i mean that's why i like i've been big on you know people asking me about stuff or whatever and i'm like i will ask them when we get to talk to them or ask a coach or whatever like i'm not going to speculate on the feelings of a 21 year old you know young man that's got a lot going on in their lives and their social aspects that's you know something we don't like to talk about on our level but there's a lot of social stuff going on if you're a young african-american or just a young man in general uh around society these days like it's an emotional time like for people uh emotions are bubbling to the surface right and so you got to uh you've got to kind of take all of that into account too, when you look at these things and not be so um, quick to judge or quick to interpret what something means or remember uh, Antonius Clayton's thing, right? Like he, our message board went nuts. He posts a picture of himself in the hospital. They see like something wrapped on his knee. Suddenly he's torn his ACL and is out for the year. You know, he had X, Y, and Z injury. And it turns out like, I'm not getting into the man's business, but it was a lot more complicated what was going on than and than an injury thing or whatever. Like it was, it was not a um, a simple uh, uh, issue. So uh, to me, like I, I just I don't want like people to to. It's hard to, to make those judgments in normal times on social media stuff. Think about me. I think about how many dumb times I've had to track something down that was like just completely erroneous because someone posted something on social media and people got freaked out by it. So I I can only imagine like how much harder it's going to be going forward here as the season goes on and you have the unrest of of what's going on with people and then just people reevaluating their lives and situations and rightfully so, right? Like, I think that's part of life. You need to, to make calls and, and um, be honest with yourself. And, 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 you know, I think this has caused a lot of reflection for people too, in terms of what they're doing with their lives and careers and, and, um, and certainly not going to go unnoticed by uh, someone that's a college student athlete. Right. And you've seen a lot of guys like Chris Martin who hung it up, like it wasn't worth it to him for, with COVID going on, he's had injuries. He really didn't even get to rehab his injuries the way he wanted to. Um, those things are going to be, uh, you know, big, big pieces of this puzzle going forward. And um, I don't know, Russell, it's going to be an interesting year as we go forward.
1: It is. It is. And you were, you know, you were talking about, you know, reading into things and all of that and just, you know, thinking about the way that the recruiting has just completely, I wouldn't say blown up, but just, it's just changed so much, even just in these past few months. like It seems as if the the emphasis on recruiting the transfer portal, especially for a program like Georgia Tech, who has you know, specific needs and they can't recruit the JUCOs, it, it's going to be a spot where, they're going to need kids from the transfer portal who are going to be able to find a way to become eligible immediately, Uh, whether it's because it's because of some rule that passes or it's because they, they go closer to home um, to, to, to get playing time, you know, things like that. Um, That that's going to be such a a, a big role moving forward, not just in this season, but it, it seems as if that's going to be a yearly thing. Um, now, if it's going to prohibit them from signing certain levels of high school athletes, uh, it's still yet to be determined. You know, right now they have, I believe, 18 commits after the, the Chappelle decommit, if you want to call it that. Um, Parting of ways. Yes, that's how, that's a that's a nicer way to put it. Um, I'm really curious to see what happens with him in the next couple of years and what, what juco he ends up at, to be honest, because – um, with everything going on, it, it just doesn't seem like he's going to be able to, to latch on to a, a power five school in the state of North Carolina or a um, really any type of four year school right away. It seems as if he's going to need some, some prep time. Um, but, but getting back, you know, into the transfer portal situation, you know, the, they were so active when they first got to Atlanta and got on the staff you know, taking kids like Marquez Ezard, Miles Sims, Derek Allen, Antonius Clayton, Tyler Davis. I may be missing a few and if I am, I apologize. But There's just been, there was so much early activity that it was thought that it was just going to become like the norm and then there was a, there's been a period where there hasn't been that much and now it seems like we as a, a media and as a know covering the team and the the recruiting aspect it seems like we're going to be getting back into another window where the transfer portal may be busier or as busy as the the high school recruiting for the remainder of the 2021 class and even breaching into a little bit of an early part of the 22 class
0: yeah i mean it's um you know i I think that you're going to see the um the one-time waiver thing go through, I think there's a lot of momentum for that amongst coaches and and players and all that. And, um, it's going to be interesting to see kind of if that goes through, if there's like kind of a quick Armageddon from that and, and like coaches are going to, if they make promises to kids, they're going to have to really keep them fast. Like you can't just kind of BS a kid and keep them around for two or three years and then process them out the, uh, the SEC models, I like to call it, like that's going to be difficult to, to deal with with one-time transfers and all that. And that's going to make kids kind of rethink their, their options a lot. And schools rethink their options as well. And, you know, it's funny you bring up the transfer thing because, you know, we're watching this kind of unfold right now with um, Kenyatta Watson and leaving Texas after, what, two years, Russell? Is that right?
1: Yeah, a year and uh, a couple games.
0: Yeah, so sixteen months, something like that, probably, or fourteen uh, months, fifteen months, something like that, probably fifteen.
1: Not too much. I mean, not too much more. I guess than sixteen because
0: it was probably summer and then, a, and then the season. So, um, whatever.
1: That's, yeah, I like. Can't remember if he enrolled early. Yeah.
0: So yeah, I mean, less than two years. Let's put it that way. And a guy that Jeff Collins really wanted, right? And now they have to make a decision of how badly they're still interested in because the thing I always tell people is, and I will tell this to any kid that asks me about recruiting is like, once you go somewhere and you sign and you enroll, your stock changes dramatically if you decide to go somewhere else. And a lot of kids end up in JUCOs or end up with different options or their priority is not the same when they come back in around. And is a good enough player that he's going to have a lot of options, right? But is he a priority for Georgia Tech at a position where they have a lot of, a lot of gotness on the roster right now? That's going to be a really interesting piece to watch all of this because they were really after him. But do this, does that change now? Does the math change for them? Um, looking at, you know, where their scholarship numbers are, where the strength of the class is versus, um how he impacts class
1: right and I think that um you know they they do have a a four-star committed currently in and James Blackstrain but I believe that if they added you know Kenyatta Watson to their their 2021 class I mean he would be not just the the highest profile kid but the the kid with the highest ceiling he would be the kid with the uh, also the highest score in my opinion just because of the ability that he showed in high school and the ability he showed in his times at, at camps and, and other places where he was looked at heavily. Um, it, it didn't really seem like it, at Texas, he ever got the, the fair shot that, you know, he was kind of told. It seems that at the university of Texas, if you're not from Texas and you don't, you know, blow up your first game that you're going to have a harder time to get, get reps. And it'll be really interesting to see number one, what happens with, with Tom Herman and his staff that are moving forward. And also what happens to, you know, Texas in the case that this comes up the next time they're recruiting a Georgia kid um, yeah. because, you know, Ken- Kenyatta's dad's a pretty big deal. Um, he's a really big deal in the state of Georgia and also a really big deal when it comes to um, the other, other situations and uh, the Under Armour game he's worked with in the past. Um, you know, it, it's, it's a bridge you don't really want to burn. And it seems as if Herman, Texas, and and the other people who were involved in that whole recruitment have have completely burned to the ground. Um, Watson played a little bit in the first game of the season. But but, um, what he was able to do in that game was, I guess, kind of evaluate. And um, once he realized that he wasn't even going to make the special teams, that it just wasn't in his best interest to, to stay there. And um, I reported it on Jackets Online uh, last week, or not last week, last night on Sunday night, and uh, that he will be back in Georgia starting later this week. And he's gonna finish up his school in Texas, his school at Texas um, for this semester online. And then he's going to enroll his school of choice in January. And it'll be really interesting to see kind of how quickly things can progress because it seems like he kind of knows where he's hoping he can go. It's just a matter of finding out whether or not he can.
0: Well, and that's the um, – that's sort of the, the, the rub for transfers in general. Like, like I said, you just don't know. Like when you have made that commitment and you're, you put yourself out there and you make that decision and that leap, um, you could easily end up not being um, valued the same way next time around, and a lot of it even just depends on who's available in a class and what the strengths are of that class, and uh, it's just such a weird dynamic and something yeah. that um, people can't really necessarily grasp um, the way you you know the way that. Um, any of us would. And, uh, you know, it's going to be real interesting. You know, Kenyatta's played about a hundred snaps of defense at Texas, uh, played 17 in the UTEP game, had a really nice score on pro football focus, which we use on jackets online as a kind of analytics tool slash snaps tool Um, played 75 last year for them and had a good grade and uh, was pretty good in coverage. So, you know, he fits the criteria of what they look for, but, you know, you just signed Miles Brooks. You have um, Spider Sims, Zamari Walton, Trey Swilling all back. Um, Tobias Oliver, I think I just mentioned him. No, or maybe not, Tobias. Not um, both Huffs. Uh, you know, there's just a lot of guys in that corner room, for example, right? And then the yeah. safety room, you have everyone possibly back with, you know, we talked about Reek and Wanye and Caleb Oliver, Charlie Thomas, Wesley Walker. Um, really the only guy that I think will be gone for sure is probably Jalen Askew, um, who's a senior that's kind of a special teams guy, but everyone else I expect will probably come back. So, you know, yeah. you're, they're 16 deep or something like that in the secondary right now, like, uh, you know, and they're being really cautious about who they t- they're taking and they've, kind of trimmed the 21 class already of one DB in some ways. And they have two, you know, big time safeties committed already. Um, one who might end up being a linebacker. We'll see. Uh, and, and and the Bryant kid, but um, could maybe bulk up. I think it just depends, but he's definitely going to start the safety room. So, You know, DBs, it'll be interesting to see. Like, that is a tough decision for Jeff, and it's a double-edged sword, and this is something Russell and I talked about offline, but if you piss off his dad, that's also not a good thing. So it's like, do you take him? Do you roll the dice there? What if it doesn't work out? Does that hurt you? Or, you know, if he loves it, that's great, and that's good for you. Or if you pass, does that piss the dad off too and and burn you a little bit? So uh, not an enviable situation for Jeff collins and his staff to to make a decision on a transfer with a lot of talent that fits the mold of what they're looking for in a in a db um with good size and speed and and a very smart kid so yeah it's going to be interesting man i think he was an early enrollee if i remember correctly russell i'm feeling like he was and that was why the press why jeff went so hard after him when
1: he first got hired i know he signed early
0: um I feel like he was going in early, but maybe I'm wrong. I, it's hard to remember. That was so yeah. many recruits ago. As I tell people, I you know I can remember some pieces of stuff, but after doing this for 15 plus years, it's hard to to always remember, especially the ones that, that get away from the school you're covering um, or remember their. Oh, scores. absolutely. Unless it's something really dramatic, like uh, what Russell learned with Jason Jones last year.
1: Oh gosh! <laughs> oh man, that was fun. Well, that, oh, that I was went terrible. through with
0: Dalvin Tomlinson uh, five years before that. Um, it was a very similar, uh, weird situation with Alabama and where a kid stood, and if he was going to sign or not, and uh, ended up not going in the Jackets' favor uh, for another big defensive lineman. But
1: uh,
0: yeah, I don't know. Any final thoughts, Russell?
1: I uh, thank you uh you think you covered it pretty well. Um I think you know possibly by the time that we uh you know record again after following the Louisville game and following a, a, another Saturday without Georgia Tech football technically, um, you know, Watson may have a decision made already. And I think that would be that would be interesting to see, uh, number one. And number two, um, you know, just w- what happens if uh you know Watson does end up in the class for Georgia Tech. Uh, Do they still recruit Kamari Lasseter as hard as they have? Uh, Reports have come out recently that it seems to be uh, a top three of Auburn, Georgia, and Clemson, Um, but it also seems like Georgia Tech's still pushing a little bit, but it also seems like Georgia Tech's fading a little bit, but if if Georgia Tech's fading there, then they they really need to get Watson, but I also it's just going to be interesting to see what happens. There's just so much volatility between the two that they're probably going for one spot i don't see the chance that they would take both or that they could get both to be 100 percent honest with you what do you think about that
0: you know i think it's going to be interesting to see what the decision is there i think the cap numbers in terms of uh where they are with scholarships and stuff play a huge factor into this and who leaves and who doesn't and I think it's gonna depend on that room right if they have space to to make to take two or one or what they decide to do there if they want to sit on it um i I, you know clearly they'd like to get one if it's an elite guy but i have a hard time imagining too um i just don't see that
1: yeah i agree with that
0: so uh we'll see what happens on friday night in the flats um always special as i tweeted out last week coach collins enjoyed uh it's probably my favorite place to watch a night game um that i've been to so far been to like 50 stadiums or something like that in the fbs and um you know there's something special about bobby Dodd and the skyline and all that even if you're not a tech fan i've had lots of other writers that cover other teams kind of comment on it they've been there for those games and I think it's special. it be cool. It'd be nice if they play well on national TV again. I think that'll be helpful for, for Jeff and his program and what he wants to do. And I think um, hopefully they've taken advantage of their bye week to, to settle down the turnovers and get their defense a little more settled. And We'll see what happens. But for Russell and Kelly Quinn, this has been the Jackets on the Podcast.